Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of the Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got an amazing guy named Vinny on the line. Vinny, how are you? Hey, I got a guy named Vinny. How you doing? <laughs> uh, there you go. Yeah, I like a, that. It's, it's good. It's a, it's a good to have a guy named Vinny. Hey, you, I got a lot usually. of cousins that got a cousin yeah. named Vinny, so it worked out for them. I'll tell you that. <laughs> One of my favorite coworkers back years and years ago worked at a uh, software company and we were in Detroit. Uh, he was originally from New York. Who, who would have thunk it? Yeah, right. um, and he moved to Detroit to help with our quality assurance on our software programs. And of course, that means he found all the bugs. And every time a computer finds a bug, it has this <clears throat> noise or something like that. <laughs> and the owners and the developers, every time they'd hear that, because <clears throat> he, he had the speakers on loud because he wanted to make sure to let everybody know that he was finding errors because that's how Vinny is. And <laughs> Yeah, they're like, Would yeah, you- I don't want to be the one to make the alert. I'm just going to create a system that lets everyone know what I'm doing, but not be the person who's necessarily done. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'm just, I'm I, just I, letting I, you know. So, so, so basically, he's like, you know what? I'm, I'll do you a favor. I'll, I'll, I'll change this, the error sound on my computer. So, <laughs> so he changed it to a bicycle bell. Ding, 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 ding. So that thing was going off. We're all giggling like little kids because we think it's funny. The developer's keep running towards the room. What now? We're rolling because it was such a funny noise. Uh, he could have gone with all kinds of different noises. Fart sound yeah, or exactly. So yeah, he, Pavlovian, by the way, I love this. Exactly. Exactly. So, so and anyway, then, and then LinkedIn figured out, well, let's make a like sound like a jackpot sound and make people mm-hmm. think they're winning. And what do we do with winners, but make them want to win more, which turns into addiction. So we exactly. certainly see the slippery scope that that becomes technology, but it, uh, exactly. And that yeah, it's like yeah. the dopamine hit. It's like, oh, I feel, I love that sensation. You know, during the pandemic, I'm sure everybody loved that sensation of getting that box with the smiley face on it. Yep. And 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 now, you know, they're kind of addicted. And uh, you know, that's that's how come they can have more Prime Days. But anyway, uh, we're let's get this back on track. And this is completely my fault, by the way. But this is just hey, slap me from traveling. Exactly. Yeah. So. Why don't you share a little bit about you about, you know, so people know who you are. I mean, you've got, you know, like I said, an amazing background. We're going to talk about that a little bit, but we want, we want to talk about, you know, um, things that entrepreneurs can do to you know, get, you know, be out there a little bit more and yes. get recognized and things like that. So I want to share a little bit about you. Yeah, I get recognized. It's not even about exposure. It's about discoverability. Um, uh, uh, long story short, I, I have a career in TV is where it started. Uh, in the in the mid to late 90s, I worked at Staten Island Access Channel. I learned how to manipulate media, save it, record it, move it. And I got to learn all different formats of, of actual tape media. And, di- and, and I was in, in school when the digitization of media happened. So I was the guy in like at Wagner College's uh, computer center that would scan your photos for your uh, Friendster profile or your GeoCities profile if you had one of those back then. I was the dude that fixed your, your term papers if your fonts weren't working, if the spacing wasn't right, if you need, if you need to squeeze a couple extra characters. Um, if you lost your decks, I fixed the decks and I, fi- I fixed programs. And I, I thought that that was going to be my calling, technology. And I had no clue 
of this creative component to it yet. And, and I think that's where I lucked out. Um, in, in the late 90s, long story short, um, uh, uh, as I started to get my foot into the door in the entertainment industry and casting, uh, I, had a, I had a database. Good old fashioned Microsoft Excel. Actually, Microsoft, it was Access and Excel because I wanted, you know, front end and back end back then was important. And I did something at school that I, I think now, like, out of what, what, what pushed me to this moment, but I wanted to be a casting director so bad. And I didn't want to lie about what happened next. So I took out an ad on something called Backstage, which is a, a newspaper for emerging actors, people who don't have representation. And it's still the place to go for those types of auditions. And I'm still in that newspaper, but it was October. It probably was the second week of October. So 20 years ago, maybe 25 years ago, 1998. And I put an ad out. I said, look, I'm a casting director. Uh, I'm looking for people who are looking to get cast in future projects. I'm looking to build my files. Send me your headshots. Uh, One Campus Road, Wagner College, Student Box 577, Staten Island, New York, 10301. Like I didn't lie about who I was. I didn't know maybe I should have put like a fancy name or a moniker, you know, something different other than my school. I'm glad I didn't because that week I got 700 submissions <laughs> sent to my school. So I, I felt like Santa Claus and Miracle of 34th Street, you know, when they, when, when they drop the UPS bin of eight by 10 of mail, fan mail in front of you. And, and you think, what, this is me. You talked about the smiley faces of Amazon. I mean, I come from a, a time and place where Publishers Clearinghouse, you saw me you want me you want me to give you a penny and pick the albums that I want and I I saw how how they how how companies like Publishers Clearinghouse for example were giving me the opportunity to discover movie music and movies and share it and I saw an opportunity with talent where I knew that I could use technology to harness the power of people um and what happened next to be honest, uh, Fox News was a relatively new network. Then they had a show called Hannity and Combs, and I was in New York, and they were looking for somebody who could be like a, an audience assistant, someone to to manage that that group. We were going to travel the we traveled the country, and I had to manage every state that we went to, the people who were coming in, the audience coordinator, and I got to pick the questions that were being asked to the two hosts at a at a point in time where Fox News was equal footing to both sides of the party, and both men that were hosting that project were equally revered, equally given credit. And I thought, what an important, what an important conversation. Like I come from a household that's like Mets, Yankees, Nets, Knicks, <laughs> Jets, Giant, like pick one or the other. And we've had this conversation, two sides, as if there's only ever two options, um, which is why I always think it's fun when like my family asks me, are you like Yankees or Mets? I'm like Red Sox. I'm like, screw you. <laughs> Don't give me just two answers. And by the way, I realized then, some of my bad answers were predicated on bad questions. Like the form of the question led me to a form of an answer that I wasn't proud of. And when I realized I can change my story and I had the power to do that, uh, it wasn't until I got to MTV. So with my power, my, my story changing powers, I'm going to, you know, fix the world and, and make this, uh, an, an easier, more talented, more, uh, connected group of talent. And when I got to MTV about two years later in the 99, uh, with the boom of reality television, where, where we really got to change people's lives by offering them the ability to make conscious decisions that change their story. 
being surrounded by TV cameras and having access to you know a, a, a live air grid on MTV gave us the ability to create space for those stories too. So my, my story is that I got to be at MTV in the beginning part of unscripted programming where every major storyteller that's currently impacting pop culture or even like the world we live in, Beyonce and Diddy and Mandy Moore, the people who, who are affecting our lives from an entertainment perspective, but also showing up and changing big business culture, changing rules, uh, supporting laws and legislators that are empowering us in ways. And I'm so lucky to have learned how to be a quote unquote storyteller. You know, maybe I'm a story editor or story finder more so than a storyteller because because, um, you know, I think that most of the most of the stories that we tell, the ones that are really shareable, the folklore, <laughs> fairy tales are not our personal stories. Those are usually we got to study those and pay attention. The ones that we're sharing are the are the fantastic ones. So I thought if I can if I can be in that stratosphere and if I, if I can create energy, I don't even know what that meant. Words. How am I going to create words? I don't even know what that means. But I got to be a small part of punked. And generationally, it's so cool. I'll never forget when my grandma used the word and my cousins used the word at the same moment and everyone knew what I was working on with the silly word and, and then the power that that gave us to connect on an intergenerational level. And this is just as the social media was becoming to boom in the early 2000s. So I'm so grateful that I got to learn where and how I did and, uh, in this, you know, I, I didn't necessarily make all the final decisions or any of the decisions, to be honest, but or, or some of the decisions. But I was in the room, and that mattered. And uh, and I, I saw that, and and I take that really seriously. And you learned from all of those experiences, and you looked at opportunities, and you took the information and the knowledge and the skills that you had, and you put it forward to something else and then to something else. It's one of those things where you, if you're a, a chameleon in a way and you switch different careers to do different things, I always recommend people, it's like, don't leave those tools behind. You'll be surprised how much yeah. you will use them. And of course, when you talk to different industries, oh no, we're different. Yeah, you're different just like everybody else. Yes, there's some nuances. You've got your own little style of widget or whatever it is, but you're still dealing with humans and humans uh, are going to behave in a variety of different ways and they're going to do that no matter what the environment is. Yeah. Yeah. And when you learn to work with what I thought was weird about my job at MTV is like, here I was someone who was, you know, uh, I had no family or no connections in the industry. Um, I, I hate saying no one got me in because obviously there were tremendous people who were already on the inside who let me in. Um, you know, some there's some thoughts about, you know, doing internships and creating a relationship that way, getting into the business and creating relation. There are lots of ways. I'm, I'm here to tell you there are lots of ways to get into the industry, but what matters most is when you're in that door, when you're, when you're in the inside, it, what matters most is coming back and you have to be prepared to offer people something unique that, that invites you back. And, um, <laughs> For me, uh, I'm, I'm at this casting director on 45th and Broadway, I, I, literally where MTV is in Times Square, um, walking to school, back to school, to be honest. He asked if I wanted to ask a question to Whitney Houston on what was Total Request Live back then. I thought, 
Yeah, yes. Something I didn't even know I wanted to do. I want to ask Whitney Houston a question. That sounds like something I should do. Okay, you pick me, I'll do it. And I practiced. And then she finally comes out and the stage manager, you know, shows her where everything's going to happen. She points to me and he's going to ask the question. And I see Whitney go, I'm not answering that question. I don't want to talk about that. I want to talk about my, my single now. I'm not talking about Prince of Egypt and Mariah Carey and, and something else, you know, let's stay focused. And I remember being like, she has a good point. And I can't believe they were going to put me in that situation. And then also, this is my moment. No. And my reaction to the producer was, thank you for training me. It was really cool to get to ask a question into the camera and say something to a producer knowing that they're in your ear talking. I never had that experience. Thank you. And this was wonderful. And if you ever need anyone else, like I'm connected to a lot of actors, singers, models, young talent in New York specifically. If there's anything I can do to help you, let me know. And they were like, well, we're shooting a very Busta Rhymes Christmas special tomorrow, <laughs> as, as it was in, in December of 1998. Like perhaps you and 30, 30 of your school friends would like to come by. And I was like, that's exactly what we're doing. A billion percent. We'll see you tomorrow. And that turned into an opportunity. And then my friends performed for me, you know, getting to cast my friend, getting to lean on my friends. Some people have mixed feelings about you casting friends and, and, and pulling closely from your life. But when you surround yourself with some of the most talented people, who better to trust? And when, when it came time for me to launch my podcast, finally, two years ago, I thought, oh man, I got to do all this work to be a great host. And I thought to myself, no, just bring back great guests that I already have a relationship with. And Everyone wants to hear Mandy Moore's story and Jamie Lynn Sigler's story and Danielle Fischel's story. No, they don't really care about my questions. They care about their answers. And I can lean on friends to help me get there. This is this sounds wonderful. And I had a great I had a great foray into podcasting, but I missed I missed this banter, the discovery banter, um, in in new energy. So now I have a podcast where I get to go back and relive in a comfortable space where I already know we've had successful output. And then I have a version here where I get to show up and continue that conversation in a deeply meaningful way and have it completely change the alchemy of what I'm creating. Your, your questions, your thoughts, your responses, they become, you know, they stick with me. <laughs> it sticks with me. This conversation sticks with me. And, and, and what, what I do next, what I create next, who I create next with, it's all changing based on this podcasting thing. And I got to be honest, in, in late 90s, I did this at MTV. I said, look, I called every, I, I was, a, I, my job at MTV was talent development. It was my job to find new ways to work with talent. I wasn't a celebrity booker. I wasn't a music talent in the music department. There was already a music department. There was already a celebrity department. I was in this like weird personality department that kind of, so like if you were an expert, I fell into my category. If you were a director, a choreographer, a costumer, you know, it fell into my category. And, and here we are, the creators of the creator economy. So I can't thank MTV enough for forcing me to focus on my peers instead of getting lost in that sea of celebrity. And um, what I want to do is share some of the insights that I gleaned from celebrity brands that were successful and not, and, and how we as small business owners and entrepreneurs can learn from some of the mistakes that I've seen and then some of the things that I think inherently we're doing by accident that we might not realize, you know, we're doing to ourselves. And that's where I get really passionate about, about this creator space. It's important work. And thank you for connecting the dots on, you know, that work that was done back at MTV, you know, during that time and 
you know, it, it, the DNA of what we see today is from that. And it, it's, it's an amazing, you know, journey. And the, the fact that you were there to witness it and connect the dots is, is great. And then, of course, you know, the transition and, and you know, podcasting is cool. Because I oh, grow yeah. and learn from it. I had an interview earlier this morning where just in a conversation, I gave uh, the the guest an idea for a new product launch. And I'm like, crap, I should have asked for a referral code. But, you know, but that's another story for another day. No, it's you, not, you, I, got, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to get it back in oh, yeah. a thousand fold in something down the road. And I'll go, okay, that's what that was probably for. I, I don't even remember what I said. I'll have to go back and listen to it. But she said, <laughs> that is a great idea. I think I just came up with a product line. I'm like, Oh, cool. Yeah. It's like, uh, this This is good from a guy that used to be a public accountant. The only ideas we had was marketing was spending too much of our damn money, uh, <laughs> but which was true. But uh, I, I do have regrets of not paying more attention in marketing class. It would have helped it, a long it, time it, ago. It wasn't that they were spending money. It's that they weren't making the return. It, that's probably the bigger issue. <laughs> It's not fun seeing money go out when money's not coming back. Yeah, exactly. Sure. <laughs> you know, input and output. There's no input. It's all output. Yeah. So, yeah. so for you know the work that you're doing now, and in, in, in obviously your show and everything else that's going on, that helping those entrepreneurs and, and small business owners, you know, get you know not just visibility. I know you mentioned that before, but you know you, you want to you want to be different. You want to make have people realize, wow, you're going to make an impact. And you said it just a moment ago. It's like, when you get, you know, when you get invited and get in someplace, you know, don't just say, okay, yeah, I was here and check it off a box. It's like, no, make, make them thrilled that they found you or you're you know, able to do that. So what can entrepreneurs think about to kind of help set themselves to be more open and ready for those types of opportunities? Yeah. Yeah. Um, first off, there's a. I'm going to put out throw out a, dis, uh, a distinction or a differenti- differentiation between exposure and discoverability. All right. Like exposure is just literally someone hearing me, seeing me, being introduced to me, having some peripheral version. You know, somewhere on many different levels, they're they're they they were in the same stratosphere for some reason, one or another. That's not the same as discovery. Like visibility is not discoverability. Discoverability is visibility times the action of sharing, if I can say it that way. The discoverability is I see you, you're visible, I hear what you're saying, and now there's one thing I'm asking for you to do to confirm and to help me get discovered. And that's share something. Share a word, share a phrase, maybe share some of my social media, share a contact that I give you, share merch, share a story, share energy. Share is going to help me get discovered, not be exposed. Being exposed doesn't give me the return on investment that I'm looking for because I didn't give you the opportunity to share. And it's kind of like weird when you think of it that way. Like, like so for example, we might be in our head as a small business. Maybe, maybe we don't want to get merch. Maybe we feel silly about having our merch on a hat because or on a coffee mug. Who who am I to have my who's gonna want to wear my hat? You know what? Stop making that decision for people. And I'll tell you, there's nothing cooler than wearing my alma mater hat and someone else wearing their alma mater hat and then randomly being at a Coldplay concert where you have two people from Wagner College now in the same room, like-mindedness, and we see each other, we spot each other, there's a commonality. We have this whole rapport because Wagner chose to sell hats. I would have never known. 
if that was my fellow Waggy, or we had somewhat of a similar experience, who would have known? But that one simple thing, the hat, you know, I, I bring up Michael Bublé a lot in this in this example. My mom thinks she like discovered Michael, but she might even think she invented him, I think is like the term she uses. She was watching his first Christmas special. And this is something his team did brilliantly. Not only did he have a Christmas special that the entire nation seemed to have been tuned into because it was a perfect time, you know, this, this sort of young, we hadn't seen a young voice with the, with the maturity that was coming through in the music. My mom loved it. And she, what he did that made it the per- perfect storm for her was after the performance album went on sale, it was actually deeply discounted for holiday sales. So she was able to buy seven, 10 albums and share them with her friends, her five, her kids. And so now she, now Michael not only was visible someplace, but the thing he did to be shareable was, and this is unfortunately before social media, otherwise social media would be part of it, but it was in, in making the album uh, cost-effective. It was artwork that came in the album, you know, stickers and the weird things that we think of that are inside the packaging. We get the, we get our Apple products and we used to think, why does Apple give us a sticker? But most of us took that sticker and put it on our book. And most of those books went places where Apple computers weren't. And now they are. <laughs> Mostly thanks to this iPhone right here, right? So that is all about that brand recognition. And when you have, back then in 2005, 2006, when you have the industry media experts who have this little Apple sticker everywhere they go, and it's on their skateboards, and it's on the back of their computers and their book bags, and you, you're interested in what those people are doing in media specifically, now now I'm building a greater awareness for this brand, but also this brand is, is building a greater awareness of me. And now if I lean into this brand and I let people see that I'm associated with this brand and that I subscribe to its beliefs in execution and editing and publishing, the, the, the whole process of creating, that that lets me stand out. And, and that's because Apple shared a sticker, which is crazy to think that all they did is give us a free sticker after a $2,000 computer. And that sticker is probably one of the most invaluable things they could have ever done. It just and went and went and went places where the computers didn't. And, and I want to I want to say to us SMB entrepreneurs out there, uh, uh, founder led business owners out there, you know, what are ways that we can show up, and what are ways that we what are our leave behinds? You know, for me, it might be a podcast. Some people it might be a book. Um, some people it's catch me live every single week at this time on this radio network or this channel. You know, I'm, I'm giving you an opportunity to share where I am and also come back and share, you know, share again with me. So sharing is a, just a highly valuable action. And, and oftentimes it's removed from the process. And, and if visibility happens without sharing, it's two things. And these are not bad things. One, education, right? So when we are educating people, we want them focused. They're learning. It's input, input, input. And then homework, output, 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 and then go you know, execute, execute, implement, implement. Now, when you're learning, I want you to take your pen, take your notes, hopefully no, dis- you'll even hear this in, in content, right? No distractions, turn off your phones, clear the space so you can learn. Entertainment is what's tricky. And I, I have a, this is a double-edged sword for me. Entertainment is like, I want you to watch my programming, but what's really important are the commercial breaks. So you better not leave because we'll be right back after these messages. But these messages are the most important thing in the 30 minutes that you're walking. Because if you don't watch these 30 minutes, these, these, 
seven minutes of commercials, we don't get paid. So ultimately, I'm entertaining you so much so that you stay glued to the TV, watch an ad, and maybe forget the show you're watching and now say, oh yeah, I need a toilet bowl. I need toilet bowl cleaner. I forgot that I need to. Now I've now I'm, now I'm, now my message is getting lost. And I think that that's where the power in podcasting comes into play. And I think SMB owners, I think even large retail owners, the power of podcasting is in the people. It's, it's literally that simple. And, and I think I, what I love about the indie podcasting um, uh, sector of podcasting more so than the public sector is the growth that we're having. I mean, we're looking at people who've been in it 10 years, two years, and we're seeing tremendous growth without a single dollar being spent on marketing. When you focus on the quality of your content, it makes the quality of your marketing exponentially better and a lot cheaper. <laughs> Absolutely. For those of us that have spent way too much money on Facebook ads and got nothing in return, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we've all been there. And it's it, the medium is something that is amazing. And I, when I was explaining podcasts years ago to people, it's like, well, why would I listen to that? It's like, I just listened to the radio. And I said, well, here's, here's a concept for you. If you listen to a talk show, you know, in the morning on your drive time, whatever, and they're going to interview, I don't know, maybe four or five guests if you have a long commute, depending on how long the segments are. Are you going to enjoy all five of those segments? Are they going to be subjects that you're going to be interested in? Likely, no. Doesn't mean that you shouldn't be at least exposed to become more well-rounded individual. But if you have specific interest on topics podcasts are amazing because you can say, okay, I'm going to listen to this 20-minute interview on you know, exposure and discoverability, and then I'm going to listen to uh, the Tuesday morning NFL talk because the Monday night game was crazy, and I, I want to see what that is. So you get to design your own listening experience to your needs. And, it, and again, you, you get to meet, and, you know, and I know this has been the case, you know, obviously in your career, you've met some amazing people, but even in this podcast world, even for somebody like you that have had the opportunity to meet people pretty, I want to say easily, but easier than most mm-hmm. in the podcast world, there are going to be people you're going to interview that you may not have had an easy time getting a hold of, but mm-hmm. because you have a show, you do, or you're going to meet people that you would have never met in your life in all likelihood. And all of a sudden you connect with them and you're like, there, I was speaking at a conference yesterday. I was interviewed on a show several years ago, was there getting ready to do my talk. Uh, the host walked in in the back room and I recognized him immediately. And he was there speaking at an event and also get inducted to their speaker's hall of fame. So it was a pretty big deal for him that day. And he was busy, yeah. but he came into my segment. I looked, I'm like, Whoa. Yeah. You know, so it, it was like, we got our picture taken. It was just one of those things. There was a great moment that, you know, that would have never happened if I wasn't on his show and he's on mine and we would have never connected. And he would have come in. It's like, oh, congratulations on the Hall of Fame. That would have been that. But it would, it's just those life experiences. And it comes through in the interviews. It comes through and just it make you grow as a human. And I, so when people are saying, I'm thinking about a podcast, I'm like, don't think, do. <laughs> but do or do not. There is no try. Just you know, figure out what you want it to be you know, yeah. and, and record a bunch of episodes. Are they going to suck? Probably. But you get in there and then, and then get get your feet wet. And then if you like it and you're committed to it, then, you know, the world, it becomes amazing and it opens it up for everybody. 
Yeah, it's funny because podcasting feels like a uh, an entertainment medium that there needs to be this like you know fi- fineness, refinedness. I don't even know how what that word is. It's not even coming out of my mouth. Refine. It needs to be refined. It needs to be perfect. It needs to be the music should be balanced. Look, it's important. I, I, what we're talking about is like being mindful of the audio experience. Like I think what we learned as podcasters and the importance of microphones and why we need you know wind protection and why we record with you know um, uh, headphones in so that there's not reverb and you know echoing and it's that experience that we realize as podcasters that mat- matters like what you're saying here more so than the words and and that's why i agree with you about about representation over perfection in podcasting it's better to be representing yourself in your niche or in your market than to try to make it perfect and let someone else come in and maybe start Defining you. <laughs> Maybe they start telling people what they think you're doing. By the way, no harm. They mean no harm to you. They only are calling what they see, but very rarely do people ever really know what they're looking at, right? Like we all know that when you're looking at someone's smile at the end of the day, you're like, Ooh, it was a hard day, huh? <laughs> you went through some stuff to get, you went through some stuff to get there. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm aware of that. Um, and, and I really, I want us to own, so here's the thing, because I come from TV and I, and I understand the advertising model of television. I want us to own our podcasts as, as business owners, I'm, I'm begging us to own our podcast and this shark tank world of media. Don't go out trying to create something to sell it to Spotify or, or to be really honest, even create something with the goal of putting in someone else's ads, create something with the goal of putting in your ads. I mean, look what Amazon did, by the way. You want to take a, take a check out of the Amazon book? Like Amazon was really good at, at ads. They said, eh, we're still good at ads. If we had a marketplace, then we could really show ads. I guess people have to buy stuff, but what we're really good is, is moving ads. And s- slowly this, this, this reciprocity between the relationship of, of helping brands meet the eyeball of the consumer all the way through to experiencing the brand. And I think that that's where we, I love the story of Amazon, you know, by the way, I never said this out loud, but I don't know how I feel. Amazon's a podcast. Think about it that way. It started off one thing and then a couple of years later it changed and then it changed again and it changed again and it changed again. Podcasting lets you do that almost seamlessly where I know with a company like Amazon, you know, you, you, if you start off selling shoes and then eventually you add other items to the marketplace, it changes your business. Um, it's not the same as being able to refine or hone in on a niche with podcasting and podcasting is podcasting our business plans in, in action. Podcasts are collaborations in action. Podcasts are little, our TV pilots, you know, there are so many, there's so much less being developed by networks because there's so much more being developed by us that matters. We matter as creators, the networks, the, the, the feature film companies, the studios, they they see it. They're buying our small projects and turning them into global projects. And I'm begging you to not sell your project and to lean into the value that you're bringing to podcasting. Uh, if someone comes out of the gate and they want to buy your podcast, I'd be very, um, I want to know why and what it is about right now that you're trying to buy me all out. Because if you think I'm onto something big and good here, then that's all the more reason for me to hold on to what's mine. Bring in even maybe, uh, what is it? Collaboration over competition. Maybe bring in some peers that will strengthen our industry and 
And and I I believe in that. I don't know why, but it's worked, and it's how it's how I did it at MTV, and it's always yielded great results for me. Yeah, it's better to work together than against each other. That's for sure. So, Vinny, I've loved this conversation. Probably could talk to you for days on all kinds of different things. So, where can people find out more about you and all this amazing work you're doing? Yeah, I appreciate that. VPE.tv, by the way. I, I stay away from the strategy. There's a lot of strategy out there, but I try to show people our tactics. So if you have great strategy and you're looking for unique ways to execute them, I have a free creator hub. Uh, it's on VPE.tv. And if you are looking at me and thinking, oh, he seems like a good guy, but I don't know how I'd work with him, reach out and say hi on LinkedIn. Like, let's become friends. Let's get acquainted with each other. And when the timing is right, you'll have me in the back pocket. You'll have my ear and support to be able to be there for you when you need it. And I know that sometimes that's the hardest part is just timing. And that's what I like about podcasting is it's evergreen. I've been doing what I've been doing for a very long time. So that's the thing I like about podcasting is that most of us are experts outside of podcasting. What other industry do you have that's filled with this level of expertise? There's none. There's none. Literally no other career field has this diverse level, truly diverse level of expertise. And um, I'm excited more so about how podcasting is fracturing the economy than the actual economy of, of podcasting. So I don't want to get lost in like the media part of podcasting, but how we as business owners can use podcasting to be more effective leaders, uh, better community leaders, um, have more control over the input and output of our company and the way that brands, people, energy, governments, <laughs> globes work with us. It all, it all stems from tiny little pieces and, and podcasting is a great way to do it. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. So I'll definitely have that information in the show notes. So Vinny, continue being awesome. Thank you yeah. so much for your time today. Thank you. I appreciate this. Thanks for listening to The Breakfast Leadership Show, part of The Breakfast Leadership Network. Visit breakfastleadership.com for tips on empowering your business and your life.